and welcome to the Coffee with Alchemy Consulting podcast. In this episode, we are focusing on AI and what it means for the investment management industry. And to give us some expertise and great insight, I have with me today, Luke Jacobs, partner of Algamy Consulting. Hello, Eva. Nice to be on this podcast. Great. And lovely to have you here too. I am very excited to hear that we're going to be talking about AI today. I have it on good authority from the Investment and Association that it will be bringing analytic and predictive power to the industry. And a report they published in late 2021, they said the importance of AI should be in 2023, 82% high or very high for firms in the industry compared with 34% in 2021. So a big jump there. It's unavoidable. Everywhere you look, AI is mentioned. But can you, for the purpose of the investment management industry and our listeners today, explain AI in a nutshell? When we talk about AI, we basically talk about an ability that becomes cognitive instead of when we look at computers where it was very much supporting in in various processes like looking up no longer the yellow pages, but we could go onto a computer, go to Google search, and we could find whatever we want. Or instead of, let's say, financial administration through a 40-column paper, we could move it onto Excel and with all its automated calculation, etc. And of course, from there, it has moved on quite significantly. So AI will scale our cognitive abilities, and in that way, could enhance not just processes in the investment management industry, but in many other industries like healthcare, transport, education, customer-centric experience, as well in investment management. And it will have an, a profound impact on human efforts. And how is this possible, Luke? Do you want to give me some idea as to what are the elements that go into this great new technology that people are hailing as the next wave of advancement in the industry. We're talking here very much about generative AI. So think of open AI's uh, ChatGPT or Google's BART, and it in the end refers to deep learning models that can take raw data, for example, could take all of Wikipedia or all the collected works of Rembrandt in the sense of images, and it would learn through statistical probabilities certain outputs that could be generated with that. Why has this become possible? Because there has been also an enormous development in computer power. Think of uh, the chips that do all the calculations, that can analyze all those data, etc., If you would go back 10 years ago, the computer power was there, but not to the extent that it was available to all of us. That has come along a long way, and therefore elements like ChatGBT is now on everybody's desktop, and we can use it. And that has created an enormous hype around it because it's the first time where it becomes in the hands of everyone. And that makes it very, very different from the developments of AI that have been there already since the 90s. So what you're talking about is basically 10 years ago, we were all thinking about big data and how we could use that, what it meant. No one really knew what to do with it. So 10 years on, we have got a technology that um, we can actually talk to and verbalize our questions and it will come back with answers. And that is AI. Is that what you're saying? That is an example of AI. 
Okay. An example that is coming to all of us and all of us individuals can use it. But you could equally think of the healthcare industry where images are compared. You would have an health issue that would make x-rays or any imaging of any place in your body and AI is able to compare that with thousands if not hundreds of thousands of other images that have been made anywhere in the world which can improve the the analysis of what your medical issue is significantly better it is not gonna replace your GP or your specialist, but it will enable them to probably quicker make diagnosis, make better diagnosis, and ultimately probably also better treatment. If that is either through future medication, through better insight as to what and where it needs to be be treated instead of just throwing loads of medication on it and hopefully that one will succeed, it can pinpoint much better which exact medication would be uh, the treatment for for your ailment. If we apply that thinking to investment management, what does that actually mean? So for uh, asset and investment management, it will mean that we can also much better analyze the data that are available to us. There have been uh, definitely already uh, areas in our industry where this has been used. Think of quant, quant investing, which is very much based upon analyzing a huge range of data to be better informed and therefore to make better decisions, but also to incorporate data that we previously didn't have. Just to to give an example, uh, with satellites, we can now see how many cars there are on a parking lot. If that would be the parking lots of IKEA, depending on how many cars are on a parking lot, we can probably say something about the turnover of IKEA in a certain period, in a certain year. These are new data that are available that we can use within our assessment of investments. AI makes it possible to also analyze all of this because a human being would probably not be able to do the interpretation of all those data. Ultimately, it still remains a human that looks at the output of it and makes the ultimate sense out of it and the decision. So it is not replacing that decision making. It is an enhancement of the decision making. The IA said that asset volatility forecasting would be at the forefront of AI. Do you think that still stands? It could still absolutely stand in today's world and probably makes it real as well. And that is maybe that example of the parking lot. Volatility might come from all kinds of news that is unfunded on social media, maybe even in newspapers, etc. Whereas the data that we would have could clearly indicate that it's either not correct or it could confirm it clearly as well. And by confirming, you would take out that volatility as well, because it would make it more sure as to what is being said. We always have to be cautious around that as well, because sometimes if you load too many data in an equation, it remains a, a matter of the quality of the data that you put in as to the quality that you get out. And even with huge amounts of data that you put in, AI could also create correlations that are maybe not even there. But because it has so many data, 
it could wrongly make connections between data and therefore also potentially incorrectly come to certain conclusions. And we have to take that into account. And that is, in the end, the professional judgment that needs to be uh, used there as well, next to the identification of the right data sets that you put into your A database. It doesn't appear at this point in time, from what you're saying, that it's going to be used or is being used to develop new products to bring to market. Is that something that you think will happen or you're seeing happen among your industry peers and the firms that you know? I do think that there are some companies who already use this that will definitely be used in product development. And product development is not just about the next fund. It is also about developing the more holistic products for people and the bespoke products for people that could be helped by AI. Thinking of you add certain data of yourself in, call it an application, a company would amalgamate that with thousands of others who have that done as well and could create, therefore, almost bespoke products for at least pools of people that uh, look for the same kind of outcomes out of their investment portfolio. So in that sense, I think it can definitely start helping that process of improved product development. We're going to talk about sales distribution and client experience, three things which are very important to the industry. How do you see AI affecting each of those? So if I could start with distribution, there are multiple ways where AI can help. I can think of one that especially is still very cumbersome in, in our industry, and that is the whole onboarding process for business to business. That process still at the moment takes three to four weeks on average. And that is where AI and the use of data could significantly uh, reduce that process of onboarding. Because at the moment, onboarding is still seen as each partner doing it on, on their own. For each client or for the same client with different asset managers, I think AI could be a solution here by creating, for example, and let's call it for the sake of the example, an EID with which they can invest in any fund in the world based upon using AI to ensure that all criteria are met of whichever TA or AM the investment is administered with. That are things that are currently not done. That holy grail has been looked for the last 20, 25 years, and the industry has not been able to achieve that. Equally, that would be an enormous boost to client services because there is enormous irritation, I think, with most investors around onboarding processes. It is often not understood. They don't know why they have to, to provide certain data to one asset manager and, again, other data to another asset manager. And often the reasons are not understood, but ultimately it's based upon the interpretation of the requirements for onboarding that are necessary within the different countries, within the different companies. Etc. Etc. Some people also say yes, we could have artificial intelligence through communication with investors, and I think that might be a solution more in the retail side. I less so see that on the B two B side happening because I do think that there the personal engagement remains quite important. But again. Where it can help in that regard is the analysis of data and being better informed for when you speak to one of your clients. What are they looking for? 
how do they see their future investments? What need those future investments? What kind of outcomes are they looking for their future investments? That is something that through AI can probably much better on, be understood and therefore be uh, a much rich, richer engagement and a much better engagement. I'm going to ask you now about the flip side of sales distribution and client experience. And I'd like to get your views on AI in the context of risk compliance and operations what do you see that as i mentioned earlier on ai is as good as the data we feed it so that is a, a very important one and i think that one should not be underestimated because more is not necessarily better also ai can give the impression that what is provided with it that it has a certain quality but we have to be careful that it's not biased so that is an, an, another element that we really have to be conscious about. Then there are elements to AI, at least at this stage, and it might improve in the future, but it probably lacks creativity. And, and that is very much if we think of the marketing in our business uh, and, and it being used for that. Very much linked to creativity is probably also emotion. It is very factual. It's very rational. Again, Future might change that, but that is the stage where we are at now. It is also important that if we use AI systems or tools, etc., that they are transparent and that we can explain the outcomes of it. That doesn't mean that you need a nitty-gritty detail of how it came together, but you do need to understand how the outcome has been created. And therefore, if it's predictions, you need to have that overarching view that lies behind all those data. Another element we need to be cautious about is the whole privacy. Because what are we using within those databases to create the, the insight that we are looking for? And that is a concern we need to address. If we talk about ESG and probably the as in that, then we also talk about ethical and social questions that AI brings up. And is that something that we should therefore incorporate in ESG uh, decision? Because should we be investing in companies that use artificial, in artificial intelligence data or, or outcomes for call it the wrong reasons. Is that uh, something we want to be associated with? So, so what kind of company might, you, might that be? What would that look like? One example I can come up with is within the HR environment where AI is used and where there have been examples already of huge bias that have been used to select candidates. If a big HR agency would be exposed to that kind of bias through their AI, not only would that impact you as a company that uses them, but in the investment management industry, but equally in your investment decisions for that company. There can be that element, but you could think of the arms industry. How far do you want to go in that equation where you uh, arms is already uh, one with question marks, but with AI that potentially becomes even bigger. The last uh, or a last example could be where AI is being used to give misinformation. And then you could think of misinformation in relation to elections, etc. Is that something as an investment company you would want to consider investing in? Or <laughs> would it be like a discussion around oil? 
where you say, yes, we want to remain invested and being a participant in changing it, or do we refrain ourselves completely from investing? Which, of course, brings us on nicely to not just risk, but it's the compliance, which it's in a wild west at the moment, unregulated, very, you know, you know, on every level, people are talking about bringing in some sort of regulation and, and legal framework for AI across, I think, virtually every industry. So how are we doing in this one. There are different views, as you say, Eva, in, in this area. And there are people that say, yeah, no, it should not be regulated because that hampers the development. But I would like to give there an example of the car industry that is not hampered by a regulation, but just incorporates regulation in the development of their cars. If we look at the last 40 years and look at how cars have been developed and what uh, safety features uh, had to be incorporated in the design to ensure that no harm is done to either the user, the person on the street, you could almost make an analogy with this as well. AI should not harm the individual. You could then say, yeah, but the industry could self-regulate. That is, at the moment at least, not really happening. And there are some figures on how much that is being done. And, and they also call it AI alignment, where AI companies have departments that look at if the developments and the goals of the developments, if they are aligned with human values. It's a very high statement, but that could be an option. But at the moment, it's partly there. And it is, on average, from research, it indicates that it's less than 2% of the resources that are being applied in artificial intelligence. So surely something like GDPR, which is meant to be protecting our data, would apply to AI? Yes, that would definitely apply to AI, but that uh, even with applying GDPR itself, it doesn't mean that the data that are being used could have goals that are still or that are using data that are completely GDPR compliant, but the goals of what to do with it would go against human values. So GDPR, I think, protects the data that goes into, if you want to put it that way, into artificial intelligence, but doesn't protect necessarily the goals of it. That leaves us with government regulation. Recently, the EU AI Act has been approved by the European Parliament. That doesn't mean that it is as of today in place, but that will mean that it's probably being effective in 2025. But clearly the effect of it is already that you will have to take into account that act for when you start developing things. And it is the first major regulation in the world probably for AI. And there are pros and cons to the regulation, and and we could have a a whole separate podcast on that. It's a good starting point. It uh, uses a a risk assessment of either the AI system or the product that is being created with it. And depending on that, uh, it looks to uh, the companies to put certain requirements and protection in place. That is the bottom line. But as I said, we could have a a complete separate podcast on that. And what the EU is doing as well is they're trying to get a coordination and cooperation in place with, for instance, the US and India through the Trade and Technology Council with the US and India to further deepening strategic engagement. Because this is something that is not an EU issue. This is a global issue. And we need to get alignment in the regulation as well. Otherwise, it's just 
creating enormous cost for any industry. And that is, in the end, what we want to avoid through regulation. And even the US, although not there yet, published last year a, a blueprint of uh, an AI Bill of Rights, which is a potential blue cursor to uh, regulation in the US. And then there is uh, another element uh, or another thing that happened recently, and that was even Elon Musk signed it. That was an open letter, and it was signed by 1,800 signatories calling for a six-month pause on the development of certain AI systems. I'm not sure that is the answer. Because unless everybody in the world would do that, how are you going to monitor that? Development will continue. So I think it's better to set out a framework of what kind of AI is allowed and what not. And what do you think that should include? We're talking about this, I suppose, a little bit academically, but of course, every day it's being deployed in new and interesting ways and we're learning as it, and, and it is also learning alongside yeah. us. So that, that's the challenge. And um, of course, the headlines are full of lots of fear, uncertainty and doubt. So what would you think regulation should be covering? I think regulation should be covering ultimately the use of AI. AI. Where is it going to be used and who is it going to impact? And ultimately, through that, is it going to harm yes or no, us as individuals, us as society? And if it is really going to harm, then it should be banned, probably. If it is high risk of harming, then there should be mitigating actions being put in place to avoid if it would happen as much as possible. And again, yes, it is an academic discussion, but AI as a concept of what it can mean to society is also at the moment academic and nobody understands yet what the impact would be on society. So instead of waiting what it does to society, let's put in a framework that at least guides it and monitors it. And over time, yeah, maybe we understand better what it can do than today and what is considered today as potentially harmful, maybe in five years or so. No, it's not, because we understand it better. We know better where it can be used. So that is, for me, what regulation should do. And as I previously gave the example of the car, if you would be asked to drive now in a car of the 60, and I'm old enough to have been sitting in uh, the first Mini, I wouldn't want to have an accident with that one today anymore, because you would be crushed. And regulation has put in protection of the users of traffic in general. I would almost say this is comparable. We need to start somewhere. And we cannot just say like free for all and let's see what comes out of it. Because we know that will potentially be quite a lot of harmful things that come out of that. That's the the word of warning to the wise, as it were, on AI. And we've touched on some of the opportunities, but there must be some really exciting things that this is going to make open to us. Have you got any views on that? There are absolutely great opportunities in general. And I mentioned pre- uh, previously healthcare, etc., cetera, uh, which I think will be potentially enormously be impacted by it. If we go to the investment management industry, I think all the examples I previously gave uh, can be a great move forward for, for our industry. It can make our industry much more dynamic. It can provide much better outcomes for our investors, uh, not just in performance, but I'm equally thinking of outcomes that are aligned with, uh, call it the life cycles of our investors. 
and you can bring that back to ultimately the, the retail investor that has within their lives certain events happening, if that is buying the first house, the first child, the child that goes to school, goes to university, etc., where a certain level of capital is needed to support that. If our industry can create that through AI, then I think the importance of our industry is significantly going to increase. It, but equally, if it improves performance in itself, that is great as well. But that, I put a word of caution there because if we all use AI to the best possible way, then I don't think that for the whole industry necessarily the performance is going to be uh, improved. The performance needs to still come from the individual companies that bring the return. So, so just be the technology companies that win because they'll, we're all using the technology. So it's a broad adoption by everybody to keep everybody at parity. Is that what you're saying? There could be an element of that in it, yes. But it is, again, it is very much uh, depending on how it is being used and where it is being used. And I do think that you can set yourself apart by using AI in the ways that are specific to you, where they create the best added value for you. And again, also, that is maybe very academic to point it that way, but that's what history has done as well. With new technologies, not everybody has been able to use it to their best benefit, but some have, and those will be the successful ones in, the, in, in any industry. And ultimately, that everybody's going after the same source data, aren't they? That brings back to the point that I made earlier. You have to select the data that goes into mm. your AI system and not just everything. In the past, you talked about da data lakes. I think we've moved away from that concept because uh, there is just too much in it and you have no clue anymore as to which drop of water has the best information in it. So you need to be selective also in the data that you're going to use. And I'm looking forward to the sort of next three to five years. Do you think it will have a positive impact on the industry? No doubt. I think that is almost a given. Again, I think we have to ensure that we do it within a certain regulatory framework, just to make sure that let's say, we're all protected from the misuse of it. But otherwise, I absolutely think that it has a huge opportunity for our industry and many other industries. Well, thank you. That's been a very interesting journey through the world of AI for the investment management industry. And we are about to end our conversation. But we also wanted to discuss something else, which is a little bit more personal. And what is it that you're looking forward to, not in three to five years, but in the next few weeks? In the next few weeks, I'm looking forward to a bit of a summer break. AI free, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> yes, AI, screen free, just with beautiful views. That could be mountains, that could be sea, that could be in uninterrupted views that hopefully calms the soul down. Excellent. Thank you very much, Luke. If you want to find out more about AI and our industry, please head to our website. Thank you for listening and thank you, Luke, for your valuable insights.
Thank you very much, Eva, and it was a pleasure to discuss this topic. Fantastic. Goodbye. Bye-bye.